Welcome to another leadership podcast from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. excited about the series that we're in. Let me just go ahead and pray and we'll just dive in, okay? Father, I thank you for your people in this room, people who are online, people who will watch this later on. Lord, I'm so thankful that we don't have a passive form of Christianity, that in stepping into a relationship with you, we are able to affect things here on earth that otherwise would not be affected. Lord, there's things that you want to accomplish on this earth, but you do it by partnering with us. And as we lean forward, we're able to see this earth shift, our lives shift. And so I pray that you'll teach us to be effective. Help us to be people who are effective in prayer. We know that if there's an effective prayer, there's an ineffective prayer. We don't wanna pray those prayers. We don't wanna have ineffective spiritual lives. We wanna be effective, we wanna be powerful. And so I pray, Father, you'll capture our hearts. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here. You're present. You allow us to sense God, because you are God, we, you allow us to have revelation to see things we otherwise couldn't see. You're able to illuminate things that we should see but can't for whatever reason. And so I pray that you'll unlock these truths about identity for us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said amen and amen. Give, give the Lord a big hand before you're seated. If, uh, and as you're seated, um, you'll be able to follow along in the notes. I'm looking for my, actually, for my notes right now. Um, I had my notes opened earlier. Um, let's see, where am I at? It's great to see you guys. It's great to be in God's house, right? Awesome, there it is. I think I found it. So we're in our series entitled Identity, and the QR code is if you ever want to follow along, you want to be able to check references, or I only get halfway through my message, which is... Uh, usually I only get a quarter of the way through. There's a lot of scripture that I don't get to. And so that'll give you an opportunity to jump in and do a little bit further research, talk it through. I hope that you understand as a church, we deal with series because I, I think that 52 different conversations in a year are probably about 40 too many conversations. Uh, because my relationship with God is an ongoing conversation and God doesn't just change the discussion. He tends to like, share something with me, and then expand on it and expand on it. And so we like to mine for that gold, especially as a church family. The way we come up with our series, not because uh, ultimately we pray, and Lord, what do your people need? And we land on a topic and we begin to explore that topic. And I don't know that there's a more important topic for believers today than this concept of identity. I think the thing that's so messed up in our world right now is that people do not know who they are. They desperately want to be something and they desperately want to be something of value. But um, desiring to be someone who loves people and then you find yourself slapping someone on national TV, those things happen. And they happen because we struggle with identity. We're trying to be something that we can't be or we're not designed to be or we're not able to be without the relationship with God that makes it possible. You know, being a good person is a great quest, but without Jesus, you'll never do it. You just won't do it. You're just not, it's just not possible. You might do some good things, but you'll find that the corruption inside of your heart will make its way out. The good thing about Jesus is he came not only to forgive your sin, but to cleanse to transform who you are and root out all that garbage. So there's not a bunch of junk to work its way out. 
There's a bunch of goodness, righteousness that's able to work its way out through your life. And as you live righteously, you'll experience a righteous harvest from your actions. And it really comes down to once you meet God and you know who he is, he'll begin to shine a light on who you are actually are and who you're designed to be. And that's what this entire series has been about. Um, as you've been following along, we've been talking about the idea of uh, the reality that we all have two identities. There's your perception of who you are, and that's ever-changing based on what people tell you or what experience you had, and today you won, and so you feel like a winner, and tomorrow you fail, and so you feel like a loser, and so your identity ebbs and flows. But that's not really who you are, it's who you perceive yourself to be, who God says you are is really what your identity is. And that is the never-changing sum total of who you are based on what God's voice continues to speak over your life since the moment you were conceived. And if you can ever get your life, if you can catch the glimpse of your biblical identity, who God says you are, you will be able to align your perceived identity and walk in life in, in wholeness and just be confident in you. And the way you look and the way you're wired and the way, you know, it's, it's, it's not an excuse to be a jerk, right? You know, oh, that's just the way I am. No, 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 no. You, you're not, in, God's heart's not for you to be a jerk. Those are the types of things that we overcome and we allow God to transform. But some of you are very OCD for a reason, because you're married to somebody who's not. And both of you can't be kites. We need some string to hold us down to the ground, Right? Without string, the kite flies off. It looks grand, but then it's gone. And a string by itself is kind of boring. But the two together, they work together, and the pulling of the string against the kite causes the kite to lift higher, and it's a partnership. You are wired the way you are because of who you're going to be married to, the kids you're going to have, the people you're going to influence, and being confident in that really comes with a relationship with God. Um, I've said quite a few times in this series that your biblical identity is going to be attacked by voices in your life constantly. Voices of actual people, voices of enemies, voices of circumstances, voices that are just in your head, your own fears, or voices um, of opposition that you experience. And they're going to argue a lesser version of you trying to get you to back down and not step into the fullness of who God created you to be. Now, the key is to fight against those things, to fight and win. God has destined you to be the best version of you. Don't settle for a substitute. Rise to the occasion. God, who am I? Who have you called me to be? And fly. I believe that that's possible of you. I believe that's why the church exists, to help you see what God's called you to be, how you're to live, how you can thrive. And yes, there will be difficulties. There'll be some hard moments. You're going to fail but if you will listen to the voice of God, if you will have a relationship with God, you are going to excel. You're going to be a great mom. You're going to be a great dad. You're going to be a great employee. You're going to start a company. You're going to make great money. You're going to be generous. You're going to face some challenges. You're going to kick them in the teeth. And you're going to thrive and push forward. And you're going to influence other people. That's, I know that's true because that's who God's designed all of us to be. And you can see that certainly in Scripture. But the voices will be there. And certainly David, as we talked about last week, the King David, the second king of all of Israel, the one who did so many incredible things, wrote some of the Psalms that we read tonight, 
a great man, but at the same time, man, did he ever have some voices of opposition trying to pencil out a different version of who he was. He had voices of opposition from his own brothers. He had voices of opposition from his own wife. He had voices of opposition of his, from his own son, Absalom. Absalom looked at him and said, you're not the king I am. And David listened for a while and walked off with his entire family and left his kingdom to his son. And then the delusion snaps and he realizes, we, I, I need, if I don't fulfill my destiny, the will of God is not going to happen. And he goes back and fights for his rightful place. Uh, David had the opposition of some of his closest friends, the voice of his countrymen, the voice of his own king, and tonight you'll see in scripture the voice of his enemy, none other than the infamous Goliath. Now most of you know the story. Goliath is a Philistine. The Philistines have pushed into God's, uh, the, the land of promise, God's people, their land, and as they arrive, they create a siege and the army of God comes against the army of Philistia and they push out Goliath every single day. He's a nine foot tall man with weaponry that is state of the art. He is decked out for intimidation. And when he steps out, he throttles off a bunch of garbage every morning to, uh, to, to really the voices intended to cause the people of God to shrink back and feel captivated just by his appearance. And in the process, David steps in on the scene. Something stirs within him, and he says, I'm not listening to that voice. I am not listening to that voice of that Philistine. And he says, I'm going to go out and fight and silence him. And when he steps out, the Bible says the Philistine begins to talk to him. Now, this is really key. This goes back to the voices of opposition. You've got voices in your world telling you things about you, about your children, about your family, about your finances, and they look big and they've got state-of-the-art weaponry and it's very intimidating. I've heard them. I've heard them all my life. And it's affected, these voices have spoken to every direction of my life. Part of my story is when I was in seventh grade, my dad had a drunk driving accident and someone in the other vehicle was killed. It was a child. It was actually the daughter of a pastor who was killed. And so as I became a pastor and we began to have kids, I heard this voice say, your family took somebody's life. I'm coming for one of yours. And that voice was very loud. And I remember hearing that voice and thinking, well, I guess that seems fair and being very concerned. Now, that's, that's a pretty extreme voice to hear, but that voice would come regularly. And I remember at first being intimidated, and I remember then later on feeling somewhat terrified. And then something began to stir up on the inside of me that said, you need to talk back to that voice. You need to address that voice. That voice, unaddressed, will actually put you into a submission and you will begin to drive in ways and live in ways and think in ways that will actually be like a magnet and invite this very fear into your world. And that's, that's a very real thing that we face. David heard the Philistine talking and he says, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? Now what you know about David is you read the Bible, he's He's the most decorated, most 
fiercest, most powerful warrior, even as a teenage boy. In fact, when we get to the end of this story, this is the unveiling of the greatest warrior of all of Israel. And yet before the curtain even opens, there is a voice saying, you are nothing but a stick to a dog. I mean, this is, do you, can you see this here? This is David's moment where he becomes the champion of all champions. And when he steps out on the stage, instead of hearing the accolades of heaven, there is the voice of the enemy that says, what is this child that I am going to even, even be affected by? This puny little boy, am I a dog that you send a stick? Man, if you were to listen to that and you were the greatest warrior, if David listened to those words and the Philistine cursed David by his gods, that's to step it up. He gets a little louder and starts calling on the name of other gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. What a graphic thing. Little kid, I'm going to tear your ear off and throw it over there and the ravens are going to get it. And I'm going to tear your guts out and I'm going to throw them over there so that the gophers can eat them. Just this graphic picture. The enemy never just says, oh, I'm going to beat you up. He always says, I'm going to rip your eyeball out and throw it down the street and cars are going to run it over. Because his weapon are words. Then David said to the Philistine, and that's the key. I want you to see that. The enemy said a bunch of stuff and then David said something to his Philistine. And so the question I have for you is, what are you saying to your Philistine? What are you saying to the voices that come against you? What are you speaking out to the lies that would come your way? Lies about your past? Yes, you did do that. Yes, you did go through that. But that's not your future. God has promised in his word fantastic things. Already at this point, David had already been in a back room, anointed as the future king, and yet, this Philistine is saying, I'm going to kill you here today. And so David speaks back. You know, David finds himself in a circumstance that was out of line with what he believed and knew that God wanted. There are going to be moments in your life when you look at your circumstances and you're going to be like, I have the sense that this is not what God wants for my life. Maybe you're experiencing that right now, where there's a deep sense that there's something not wrong, that there's something wrong with this picture. Something doesn't line up here. This, when I read God's word and then I look at what's going on or I see how that's happening or how I've been treated or how that's coming down the pipe, this doesn't seem like it's lining up with God. God's enemies, the Philistines had laid siege on the nation. Goliath was out there screaming. And he was making all kinds of noise. God's king and God's army were responding by cowering in paralyzing fear. The Bible says in that same chapter, in chapter 17, that every morning when Goliath came out, King, king Saul trembled and his men trembled as well. The voice of the enemy was palatable. It was believable. It was like an oppression. Just as he spoke, it concussed their very hearts. And David's brothers were also a part of that army. And when David showed up to visit his brothers, he could see that. He could feel that. He looked around and the thought hits him, 
This is not what God intends. And so in the process, David steps up to the plate and volunteers to fight. Now, there's a whole lot of stuff that I could cover about identity in the next few verses because his brothers mock him for offering to fight, and then the king is, well, let's give this a shot, but the king tries to put some armor on David, and David's not used to fighting in the armor. He's trying to turn him into something he's not. Listen, you be you. You be the person that God has designed you to be. If God's called you to be a welder, you be the best version of a welder that you can be, not the guy standing next to you in a booth. Learn from him, but you be you. You be confident in you. You fight how God has wired you. And so David takes off this extra military stuff, and he goes out there with what he knows, a rock, some rocks, and a sling. It's what he's worked with at this point. You can only use what you have at your disposal and what you know. But I promise you, what God has given you is enough for you to win in your circumstance. And so we pick it up in uh, uh, the rest of the story here. Uh, I don't know, guys. I'm just having a tough time getting the signal. Um, But that's okay. I'll figure it out. I'm going backwards now. That's me. That wasn't you guys. That was me. Um, So let me read this to you. So David says to the Philistine... You come at me with a sword and a spear, and and listen to what he's, this is what he's saying back to the Philistine. The Philistine has spoken, but then it says, but then David said. And I want you to notice what he says, because I think it's a, like a blueprint for you to understand warfare. You need to step out of passive Christianity, this idea that, well, believing in God is my ticket into heaven, but everything else on here on earth Uh, You know, I pray sometimes, and it's kind of like, I hope that worked, and I hope that will help my situation. You need to abandon that thought process and realize that God has equipped you to be a warrior, and when the enemies of your life come into play or the enemies of your family come into play or enemies of your friends come into play, it's time to get down and get, get to battle. And so David leans forward, and he says some things. He says, you, and he's talking to his Philistine. And it doesn't matter that this is a giant. It could be his financial situation. It could be his, the difficulty he's having in his marriage. It could be a health issue. This kind of goes along with last week about talking to yourself. Um, well, I'll get to that in just a second. He says, you come at me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin. Those are terrifying things. If I go out into the driveway and you're waiting for me at my car with those things, Um, I'm not packing tonight, so I'm running, okay? Just so we know. He says, you come at me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you with something that I have at my disposal. This is what a believer has. He says, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. He's describing a partnership. He's saying, you think I'm coming alone? No, no, no. Let me show you who's with me. He grabs onto the Lord. He said, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Listen, your enemy might talk about throwing your guts in the weeds. You just need to maybe describe the God that's coming with you into your situation. He says, the day, this day, I like this. He's so confident. This day. That might be how you need to start praying. I hope someday, this day. You got to get some divine irritation going on. Because your enemy is nine foot tall and he is a bully. And so he says, this day, this is a 14-year-old kid. I like this kid. 
I, I know that we got some 14-year-olds just like this or some 15-year-old or, Val, what are you, 17 now? So um, we've got some people who are like aggressive like this that lean forward in the face of an obstacle. This day, the Lord will, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. He didn't say, this day, I'm going to kick your butt. This day, God is going to deliver me into your hand. You want to know why? Because you are not in the will of God. You are an enemy of God. As a circumstance in my life, you are out of line with what heaven says about me. This day it ends. He draws a line. Now, there have been many days before this, but you know what didn't happen before this? Nobody stepped up and said, this day. And it could be that you've been enduring your situation for a whole long time. But it's time to step up to the plate and talk to your Philistine. He says, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and... And I will strike you down, and I'm going to cut off your head. Because cutting off your arm isn't enough, because you got two. And cutting off two arms, you might run around and try to kick me. And I'm not going to waste my time on your legs. And I would tear out your heart, but you probably don't. You'd live without it, because you have no heart. I'm taking off your head, because there's been no successful head transplant, right? So he says, this day, I will cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth and all the earth will know that there is a God in Israel. And he goes on to say, if I can find my place, um, and that all the assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's. Oh, I keep losing my place. I was excited. Where am I at? Anyways, God, God, God's gonna win, all right? <laughs> Okay. Oh, there it is. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. That's an amazing moment in scripture. Now, here's the thing you need to understand is he speaks to the, he speaks to the Philistine. He still has to do battle, but the battle without the speaking is going to be a problem. You see, the battle without the speaking has no partnership necessarily with heaven. He speaks the words that heaven says to the situation. And it's kind of, I want you to picture an arrow. An arrow has a point on the tip of it, not just so that it can penetrate whatever it strikes. It's so that it can also penetrate all of the resistance between here and what it needs to strike. And so the spoken word, when God ever, anytime in scripture God wanted to do something, he spoke it first and it created a vacuum in which the, the response to or the fulfillment of his word could actually follow behind. Before the storm stopped, Jesus stood up and he said, peace be still. And so it's like it's the tip of the, the, of the arrow penetrating the obstacles that would stop it from hitting the target so that the result can follow behind it. Speaking first about the heart of God, the word of God, the will of God to the situation paves the way for the response to follow with strength. It's a declaration. You've heard that word multiple times tonight. In fact, you will hear us pray many times using that phraseology, Lord, I declare. And I'm going to explain some of that. For some of you, that will be unusual. It's possible you come up out of a much more passive idea of, of prayer where prayer is asking God to do stuff and hoping he will. I don't see that in the Bible any place, but I do see it in a lot of church experiences. I want you to always be biblical about what we do. 
Now, there are some things you can declare, and there are some things you cannot declare. I declare a brand new car today. Okay, you can declare that you can fly. You can declare all sorts of things. And if you watch the news, people do, but it doesn't make it so. Okay? Prayer, and this, this is really key. You need to get this. Prayer is not just talking to God. Sometimes it is talking on behalf of God to ourselves, our circumstances, and those who are listening. This is known as declarative prayer. It's the announcement of what is in heaven, what should be on earth, and your intention for enfor- as an enforcing agent of the kingdom's will to eradicate the deficit here. Does that make sense? Sometimes we pray, Lord, I love you. And then there's other times I pray, I speak to your life, I speak blessing, and it's expressed because God is expressing it, but he expresses it through his people. It's declaring what God would declare if he were standing right here. Let me read this again. Prayer is not just talking to God. Sometimes it is talking on behalf of God to ourselves. Sometimes I need to hear what God is saying. And while I'm just thinking it, it's just rattling around along with the other voices. Sometimes I need to say, God has saved me. God has forgiven me. You know why I talk to myself that way? Why do I declare that over myself? Because God is saying it, and sometimes I need to hear it. I need to hear what God is saying. I know what he's saying, but I need to hear it out loud, and so I speak it. That's why we challenge you to pray out loud. There's no recorded Bible that, uh, no recorded prayer in the Bible that wasn't spoken out loud. Think about that. We know of no prayer that was not spoken out loud. Every time someone was ever healed, somebody said, be healed. It had to be audible. When God spoke the earth into existence, he said, let there be. There is power in the spoken word. And when you speak God's word, you've got, listen, you've got to quit thinking, oh, what's going to happen if I just repeat God's word? It is a nuclear arsenal that you are pulling down and pushing into the enemy's camp. You have to see it like that. That's what it's designed to be. It's not just talking to God. It's talking on behalf of God to ourselves, our circumstances, and anyone who's listening. It's declarative prayer. It is the announcement of what already exists in heaven. Jesus said, when you pray, he said, pray this way. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. See, there are things that God wants. He's established them in heaven. Our job is to see them enforced here on earth. Prayer is about you and I not asking God to do what he already wants to do. Prayer is about you and I establishing what he wants on earth through our agency as people who have been given the authority to make it happen. David was called by God to kill Goliath. And yet Goliath wasn't dead until David spoke and went out and did the job. There are things in your life that are not going to change until you put your armor on, step up, speak to it, and do a little bit of battle. Now, it's not enough just to declare the words. Today, I will feed your, your, you know, your, your head to the, to the wolves or whatever David said. You still got to go in there now and fight. But David went in there and fight. He did his part. And so we see that he is announcing, I'm about to enforce the will of God on this earth. And this earth will receive the will of God. 
That's New Testament prayer. That's how Jesus taught us to pray. Not, Lord, if it be your will, I pray this giant will run away because it ain't happening. The giants of your life aren't just going to get up, get tired, and leave. They're designed to keep you from being the person God's called you to be. He's designed to keep you from experiencing all the good things that God has prepared for you. And I'm telling you what, it's painful to fight. You get cut in the process. You get bumps and bruises. It's not wonderful, but it's better than being a slave to some guy who's just screaming at you every day. God is for you. So there's four different types of biblical declarations, and here's where I want to just understand this. There are declarations of God. That's when God declares something. And those, when God says something, that's the way it is. It's awesome. It's truth. There's no greater truth than what God says. We read in Genesis chapter 22, verses 15 through 18, uh, God is declaring something to Abraham about his family. Abraham hasn't had any, any kids in his life. He's in his 90s, and God says this, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son. At this point, he does have a son. He goes on to say, I will surely bless you, and I will multiply your offspring so that they become like the stars of heaven. God declared something, and it happened. And that's what's awesome. That's a declaration from God. There's also some declarations of men. And when I say declarations of men, I mean guy wakes up and decides to declare something. And so he declares it. Yea, I declare a Cadillac for myself today. Listen, that type of declaration uh, is the plan of a man, but it's not necessarily partnered or aligned with God, nor is it backed by God. And so when you declare those types of things, it's up to you to pull those things off and to face the consequences in front of your friends when you're not able to do that. Sometimes they're not necessarily bad plans, but plans we come up with and we have no heavenly uh, enforcement to back us up, and so we're left to trying to pull them off. Be careful of trying to make your own plans come to, come to pass. Be careful about that. Get a word from God about your life and then pursue that because the thing that you start on your own, you will have to maintain on your own and accomplish on your own. And you'll be like, why is this so hard? God's going to whisper down, because I don't have anything to do with that. Right? Most of the time, those things aren't aligned with Scripture. There were some guys who had um, watched Paul casting demons out of people, and they thought it was awesome. And people who are demon-possessed and doing crazy stuff, now they're free and living like a healthy life. We want to help out with that. So they just declared, we're going we're to start doing what they're doing. And so they got a hold of uh, an individual who had a demon. And these sons, they were seven brothers, they began to pray. And as they prayed, they said, in, uh, by the name of Jesus and Paul, we command you demons to get out. They just made this declaration on their own. Didn't realize you got to have a relationship with God to do this. And the demons answered back and said, well, we know Jesus, we know, we know Paul, who are you? And proceeded to beat these seven brothers up so badly that they left the fight with no clothes. When you've been in a fight and you leave with no clothes, you definitely have lost. Just want to point that out. The guy might have a black eye, but you got no clothes. You got really beat off if they took your clothes, okay? There's also declarations of men that are blessed by God. This would be uh, the type of thing where you're going to do something and then you ask God to bless it. I declare that I'm going to do X, Y, Z. 
Now, in order for this to work, it's got to be aligned with biblical principles. It's a desire in your heart, and it's a good thing. God didn't say anything about it, but you can speak over it and believe for God's blessing, and many times that will happen. In fact, um, Jacob made a, uh, a similar declaration in the book of Genesis chapter 28 as he was leaving his home and he was going to visit relatives, he was going through a tough experience, and he made a declaration before God. He said, God, if you will go with me, if you will prosper me in my journey, if you will bring me back to this place, I promise you that I will dedicate this place for your future house, and furthermore, I will give you a tenth of everything that I own. And that was a declaration that he made. It was aligned with God. It didn't, it didn't contradict any scripture. Because if you declare something, Lord, I declare I'm going to be the greatest bank robber on the planet. There's no backing from heaven. Lord, I declare that I'm going to become the president of this company. Well, if it means doing unrighteous things to become the president, you're not aligned with heaven, right? But he's making a declaration that is aligned with Scripture that allows God to bless it, and God does. And so years later when he returns, he certainly fulfills his end of the declaration. It'd be very similar. You know, I, I know that some of you are single and you're looking forward to someday being married, um, but you're maybe praying like this, Lord, I pray you will reveal to me the one. And I want to alert you that there's almost no time in scripture where there was ever anyone who discovered the one, with one exception, and it wasn't the guy who found the one, his servant found the one, okay? Here's what there's not, probably for all of us. There's not the one, the one. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Walk into every single room and your, your partner sonar is going, oh, is that the one? Is it good, good? Listen, if you lean into biblical truth and you weigh your life and the life of someone that you're interested in according to scripture, you can know they're the one if you decide to ask them and they respond or vice versa. And then someday you say, I do, and they say, I do. Then, then they're the one, the one that you've chosen, and God will bless that relationship. Again, as long as you've done that biblically, and I don't need to get into that entire topic, but God can put his blessing on what you submit to him. Don't get lost in the, I don't think you're the one. I think you are the one. Maybe you aren't the one. Rowena's the one. Much to my pleasure, I'm not hoping that it's mutual back this way. Number four, there's also the declaration of men on behalf of God. And this brings us full circle back to what did David do. And this is really, really valuable because what I want to get you to the spot is as you face your Philistines, that you fill your mouth with the words of God, what God is saying, what heaven is saying, so that you push into enforcing the will of God on this earth for your life and for those in your life and for those that your life will touch. Declarations of men, but they're on behalf of God. So there's really kind of three different versions of that. There's where you are, um, the declaration that you're making is basically just quoting scripture. It's the repetition of the word of God. It's the logos word. It's the, the written word of God. We see that is, it happens so many times in scripture. When we look at Psalm 119, verse 13, the psalmist there says, with my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth, O God. 
And so in his prayer, he's declaring the word of God over someone. And you can declare the word of God over your life. You can declare the word of God over your family. It is totally appropriate to lay your hand on your your child and to say, God has called you to be the head and not the tail. God has called you to be blessed by God. God has called you to be prospered by heaven. And quote scriptures that are written for those who will surrender their lives to God. The heart of God is for your, your a relationship with you, to see you, you, you washed, to see you redeemed, to see you surrendered to him, to see you experiencing his very best in your life. And so to quote scripture is just one of the ways that we, we basically declare over our lives. You know, the heart of God is for every marriage to succeed. And there are some times when marriages are looking rocky. And I would pray over a rocky marriage, declarative scriptures. God, it is your will that, I, that we love one another. It is your will that we serve one another. I would quote scriptures over that. Now, that's like speaking to Goliath, and then there might be some things that you need to do after that to help fulfill the scripture. Like pick your underwear pile up occasionally. Be not all about you. Maybe serve the person that you are in a relationship with. And work towards the betterment of the marriage. But again, the spoken word, declaring scripture over it, creates that, that, that wake in order for the vessel to follow behind and, and the will of God to be established in that relationship. There's also um, where we make a declaration on behalf of God, and it's literally a revelation. It's, it's a fresh word. It's a rhema word. It's what God is saying right now to me in this situation. And I've had that happen a few times in my life. I've had that happen as I pray over other people. It's where you're praying, and man, God just, uh, he literally reveals something to you, and it it has to be in line with scripture, can't contradict scripture, otherwise it's not from God. But it might not be an actual Bible thought, but it might be specific for my situation. I've had God that do so many to me so many times. Two years ago, 2019, I was praying in November, we were doing a thing called November Fast as a church. The entire month we were fasting, reading scripture, and I was praying about the future, and God spoke to me and said, next year, I want you to be prepared to move and move on a piece of property. And I was like, whoa, I haven't sensed that for a while. Okay. And so I began talking with Rowena. We began setting aside some money and I'm looking in the news every day. I'm following properties. I'm, and I know the type of property that I'm looking for. And I met somebody online. We were talking and literally at seven o'clock in the morning on a Monday morning, I got a text saying, Steve, I was thinking about you. This property popped up on the market are you interested? Now, this is before business hours. But I knew in my heart that God had this for this year for us. It's going back to last year. And so at 7 o'clock in the morning, getting this text, looking at this property that has just gone live, I asked her to schedule an appointment. And we were able to get in there. There were already a few appointments booked. But we were able to get, there, get in there before 8 o'clock in the morning. And the moment I walked into this unit... I knew this is, a, this is exactly the type of property we need to buy, put an offer in, and we were signing documents by noontime. And so I had a word from God and had been praying that word on a weekly basis. Lord, you have property for me. You have property for me. I'm looking, I'm gonna do my due diligence. 
I'm going to believe you for it. I'm going to get my nest egg ready together here so that I can be prepared to strike, but I know you have this coming. And so, so it's important that when God speaks to you, you record that, write it down, pray over it, and keep declaring that until you position yourself to see that realized. It could be you got a bad diagnosis from the doctor. And yet scripture says, by his stripes, I am healed. And so you continue to pray that daily and lay your, I, listen, I, I, I don't even know all the things that I've been, I'm, you're gonna think I'm crazy. I, there's times when I don't feel well, right in the shower. <laughs> I'm praying in the morning, Lord, I just speak over this body. This is your body. The Bible says it was purchased with a price, the price of Jesus. Jesus doesn't buy junk. He has purchased this body and it needs to work correctly. I speak healing over my body according to scripture in Jesus' name. And I know that might sound crazy, but I am praying the Logos word and in some cases the Rhema word over myself or over my family or over my grandchildren. The final one is really, uh, really similar, but out of the book of Luke, it's when you declare what God has done in your life to a similar situation, that's happening and you need a similar outcome, or it's you declaring what God did for you into the heart of a person who needs a similar thing to happen. Like you've been healed by God and you begin to declare to them, listen, four years ago, the pastor called me up front. I was diagnosed with breast cancer and we got a bunch of people around me and I had to go into the doctor the next day. And when I went into the doctor the next day, miraculously something somehow changed and there's nothing there. We knew it was miraculous. God heals. And so that becomes Pat's testimony to the next person who's terrified, has this bad report from the doctor, is scared to death what's coming next. And she becomes begins to declare the experience she's had in God. And it's powerful. It's aligned with scripture. It's biblical, but it's her testimony. So it's got a punch. David declared, I killed the lion, I killed the bear, and I will kill you too. It's his experience. So if you'll stand with me, let me read one final scripture to you. And I, I tell you what, I, I, and I love to do that last part. We get people who visit our church because, you know, their spouse made them come or their boyfriend made them come or their girlfriend made them come or their child made them come. And I love that they're willing to do that. And we've had... Just so many of you have been in that experience, ended up in church because of that. And I love having the conversation, especially with the guy afterwards. I'm like, oh, you're in so much trouble. You are in so much trouble. I thank you for being here with your friend, your spouse, your mom, your dad, but I'm just gonna warn you. God's gonna show up. You're gonna be in this room one day and we're gonna be singing and mm, something's gonna happen. You're gonna be like, what's going on? Something's happened today. What's, do you feel that? Do you feel that? What's going, what's going on? And you just know it's God showing up, proving to you he's really, really, really real. And when that happens, your whole world's gonna turn upwards and move forwards and take on new ground because you're gonna discover that the God you've heard about, you don't think exists, he really does. He loves you, he's for you. I love to have that conversation. I've had people say to me, that is a pile of, and I've baptized them a year later. The reason why I can confidently say God's coming for you and you're gonna love it is because it's the experience that happens over and over and over again, amen? When we get into the new building, I've been informed by a very large armed man that he will be the first person being baptized in our new building. 
And I said, yes, sir, Shane, I, you will be the first one. But Shane will tell you, I had that conversation with him in the gym. I said, I love that you're coming to, to church with Kim. I think that's so awesome. But you are in big trouble, buddy. You've seen, you've seen Star Trek tractor beam stuck in the Klingon beam? That ain't nothing compared to God's Holy Spirit beam where he draws you in and shows you who he really is, how much he loves you, how much he wants to set you up for success and work through you. And I can confidently say it. You know why? Because that's our testimony as a church family. And it's the greatest thing ever. I'm not worried, well, what if God doesn't? I'm not worried that God's not. David wasn't worried that he wasn't winning that day. You know why? Because he knew the will of God. What is the will of God for every person to be saved? It's the will of God for you to experience God and say yes to him. So what are you saying to your Philistine? Am I nine minutes over again this week? Look, okay, I got this big number on the back screen there. It's nine, it's the devil. The red is the devil. Look, turn around and look at that screen. There's, it says negative nine minutes. There's no way that I'm nine minutes over. I feel like I got 25 minutes left. No? Have you been up here for a while? I didn't even sense you come up. Okay. Okay. I won't even read this verse. It's there. Can we pray? Okay. Who is your Philistine? What is your Philistine? Hey, maybe do this. Whisper it to the person standing next to you. If you can trust them, maybe you can't. If you don't trust them, maybe, maybe you don't want to share with them. But you got a Philistine? It's time to start talking to the Philistine. If it's your fear, if it's your fear of the future, if it's your fear that something changed in the past and will I ever find stable ground again in the future, if you lost some of your identity and now you're trying to figure out where, who will I be now? Who, 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 who am I to people? It's time for you to begin to speak to that, that, that voice that is so intimidating and declare what God says. Amen? Come on, I want you to lean forward, just with your, with your own words, out loud, and begin to have that conversation. Um, and, and address it in a way where you can keep it discreet, but declare God's word over your life. And I'll, I'll, I'll just do this for you, you know, and I'll pray louder than you are. But Father, I pray over our people. These are good people. These people were conceived. Father, you were there the moment of conception. You spoke to their DNA. You spoke to their wiring. You spoke to their engineering. You spoke to their physical makeup and their spiritual makeup and into all the wiring that makes them who they are. God, I pray that you'll invade their lives. God, allow their true identity to be revealed. Father, the parts about themselves they despise are actually part of your creation. The unrighteous parts are so easily swept away in a relationship with you. The shortcomings, the fears, the doubts are swept away when we look into the eyes of God, of, into your eyes, and hear you declare who we are in you. And so I pray, God, that you'll speak loud. I speak sonship. I speak daughterhood over your people. These are your sons. These are your daughters. They are adopted full citizenship into your kingdom. You have called them to be free. You have called them to be strong. You've called them to be successful. You've called them to serve well. You've called them to change the world that they live in. You've called them to change this community. You've called them to impact 
this world, to invite people into a better version of themselves and a better version of their life. And Father, before you get a hold of those people, you need to get a hold of us. And so, Lord, I ask you, I invite you to reveal yourself to us. Father, let the conversation that's being had right now press through this week and into prayer times and into Bible study times, conversations between husbands and wives and sons and daughters and moms and dads. Father, to press into God, you've called me for great things and some of it's common, some of it's a great employee or, or someone who's great with money or someone who is great with a certain type of art. But God, some of the, some of the other things, they're, they're, they're extreme, God. You've called them to be a phenomenal prophet or you've called them to be a person of influence over a large scale of people. Some in this room may be called to, to politics for the betterment of our nation. God, you've called us all to great things, Lord, even if they're common. And so we want to step into the fullness of who you've called us to be. And in order to do so, we got to step into the fullness of who you are. Thank you, God, that you're accessible. We say yes to you right now. We say yes to the invitation to be your son and daughter. Father, we say yes to all that Jesus paid for. He died for our sins so that we could say yes, become your son. And so tonight we say yes, Lord. We love you. We honor you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.